Hello, and welcome to Twice Exceptional, Teens Exploring and Living with Neurodiversity. I am your host, Kate. I am 16 years old, I'm the middle child of three, and I love the movie The Princess Bride. It's my all-time favorite movie. I can quote so many lines from it. I've seen it like 50 times. But I made this podcast because I have ADHD and I am gifted, making me twice exceptional. For those of you who don't know what twice exceptional means, I'm going to be going more in depth on it around two episodes from now. But basically, it means that you're gifted and have some sort of disability. So I started this podcast because living with ADHD can be difficult, and I wanted to find a way to reach people and share some information from the perspective of a neurodivergent teenager. Also, my brother also happens to have ADHD, meaning that there are two neurodivergent teenagers in our house. In this podcast, though, I discuss my experiences living with ADHD. I interview guests who are affected by forms of neurodiversity, and I research different aspects of neurodiversity. Today's episode is one of those research-based episodes, and I will be sharing another form of neurodiversity with this podcast, dyslexia. Now, perhaps you've heard of dyslexia before. If you're like me, most of your knowledge is probably that people with dyslexia have a hard time reading, but there's actually a lot more to it. I'm going to do my best to explain the basics of this condition using resources I found in the International Dyslexia Association, which is the oldest association dedicated to the study and treatment of dyslexia. So first, let's kind of define what dyslexia actually is. So dyslexia is classified as a language-based learning disability. So the language-based part comes because people with dyslexia have difficulties with spelling, reading, writing, and pronouncing words. So the reading part is true, but there's also other aspects that go along with that. And then the learning disability portion refers to the difficulties that come in a typical school environment because of their dyslexia. So that kind of makes sense because if you have difficulties with the written language and hearing language, then it's going to be very difficult for you in a typical school environment where there's a lot of assignments that just have to do with reading and writing. So let's talk about some of the causes and the likelihood of you getting dyslexia. So like most forms of neurodiversity, the exact cause of dyslexia is not fully known. But what we do know is that there are differences in how the brain develops and how the brain functions. It is a lifelong condition, just like most of these forms of neurodiversity. It doesn't really just go away after a period of time, even if you have learned to like cope with it in certain ways. And it's present in about 15% of U.S. citizens. So that's actually a higher percentage than ADHD, which right now has been determined to be present in about like 10%, I believe, of U.S. citizens. So there's a spectrum of needs, though, along this percentage. So some of those people might not need a lot of accommodations, but some of them might need a lot of help in order to like function properly in the society. And dyslexia also happens to be genetic. So if you're a parent and you have dyslexia, there's a good chance that your child would have dyslexia as well. 
So what exactly are the symptoms of this condition? Well, developmental dyslexia is associated with difficulty in processing the written form and the sound structure of language. So there's two different aspects there. There's the written reading writing form, and then there's the actually like hearing and pronouncing words. The core difficulty is with word recognition, reading fluency, spelling, and writing. But people with dyslexia can also have problems with the spoken language. So here's a list of a few symptoms of dyslexia. So symptoms of dyslexia would include difficulty in the following categories. Learning how to speak. Learning letters and their sounds. Organizing written and spoken language. Memorizing number facts. Reading quickly enough to comprehend. Persisting with and comprehending longer reading assignments. Spelling. Learning a foreign language and correctly doing math operations. But these symptoms alone do not determine a diagnosis. It's just kind of a blend of these symptoms that can sometimes lead to that. So usually dyslexia is noticed through school benchmarks. So once the school notices that there is a difficulty there, they often run a few more tests to really figure out what it is. So that way they can diagnose dyslexia properly. It can be treated through a structured practice in their area of struggle, but there's no like magic medication that'll make them suddenly able to comprehend the written language. It just requires a lot of hard work and patience to like learn all the different skills that you would need help with. However, the condition never really goes away. So even if you learn how to like cope with it and how to get through school and all of that, it's still gonna affect you. And it's still going to be something that happens to you that doesn't happen to, like, the normal neurotypical person. So, some of these people, because of the spectrum, may need extra accommodations at school or work in order to, like, do everything they need to do. That doesn't mean that they're not smart, but it may be very difficult for them to, like, do certain assignments if they're not very, like, efficient at reading and writing and understanding the written and spoken language. So section 504 of IDEA means that students should be able to get accommodations if their symptoms are interfering with their schoolwork. So if you're in school and it's interfering a lot because like you're having such difficulty, you should be able to get extra accommodations for dyslexia, including things like longer times on tests, so that way you can spend more time trying to read and comprehend the words on the page and like sometimes you might be able to record things instead of writing down written notes. There's a lot of accommodations available. I know my school has 504s. I do not have a 504 for my ADHD and I will talk about 504s and IEPs in future episodes as well. So unfortunately there are some parts of dyslexia that are not talked about quite as frequently. And a lot of that has to do with the social and emotional consequences of dyslexia. So dyslexia can have unintended social and emotional consequences, much like ADHD does actually. Because young children with dyslexia fall behind their peers at, like very, very quickly, it can be frustrating for them and lead to a lot of future issues especially because, like with ADHD, instead of realizing that the child has difficulty with reading, writing, speaking, 
it's interpreted as laziness instead of an actual problem. And so then they're like, oh, you just need to work a little harder. They're smart, but they just need to work a little harder. And it doesn't really work like that. And so this affects the child's self-image and may lead to symptoms such as depression and anxiety later in life from this low self-esteem as well. And I know there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to dyslexia, but I hope I covered the basics of this condition for you in this episode. So before I wrap up this episode, however, I would just like to discuss some of the future projects I have been working on. For episode 10, I will be doing an interview with my parents on what it's like to raise two children with ADHD. I've also had an opportunity recently to connect with SARC, which is the Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center. It's one of the top research and resource centers in the United States for autism, and it happens to be located in Arizona, which I find to be really cool. So I am participating in their Community Works program, which allows me to serve as a peer mentor while doing volunteer work with teenagers that have autism. So this week, we went to the Arizona Science Center. It was a really cool experience. We got to do a lot of volunteer work, and we worked on how you accept and decline job offers. So you learn a lot of valuable skills while you're there. And my job is basically, I'm one of the peer mentors there. So our job is basically to try to engage with them and help them learn all the different social skills that they need to learn, as well as just being a friendly face there. It's been a super cool experience. But why I bring this up is because I hope to conduct an interview with someone from SARC and share my knowledge as the program finishes. So I think that's going to be a super cool opportunity to get to speak with someone from SARC in a future episode. And I just wanted to tell you guys about how awesome that is. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider following the podcast on our TikTok and our Instagram at twice underscore exceptional podcast. If you have any questions at all or any comments that you want to make to us, please reach out to twice exceptional podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. 